Coming up in this podcast, MRA and Landcorp merger, local Bitcoin venture, WA's property values, cannabis, plus food trucks, fresh food boxes and fine dining. Welcome to Mark My Words, the weekly podcast from Business News, with Mark Panel and Mark Beyer discussing the important business news and data stories from Western Australia. Welcome to our weekly podcast, the very first for 2018. Mark, Happy New Year to you. Uh, unlike most of Perth's business scene, you've been on deck for most of the week and kept abreast of what's been happening out there. Now let's start with the state government's merger of two key agencies, Landcorp and the Metropolitan Redevelopment Authority. Yeah, thanks Mark and welcome to the new year. Uh, look, through 2017 we saw a lot of government agencies in Western Australia being merged. Mostly it was just a, a cost-saving efficiency thing. But one merger that signals a, a shift in policy is between Landcorp and the Metropolitan Redevelopment Authority. Now, the detail of this might have been missed by a few listeners because it came out at 4pm on Friday the 22nd of December. But Rita Safiotti announced the new board for the that will oversee the merger of these two groups. And I think it's quite telling. Only one member from the old MRA has survived the combination. Right. Uh, that's Paul Lakey from uh, Pete. Uh, three people from the old Landcorp board have continued. Uh, George McCulloch will be the chair, uh, a veteran in the property space. Uh, Kylie Schoonens, one of our 40 under 40 winners and an architect around town. She's also on the combined board. And several new people, uh, including uh, Rebecca Field, who's a partner at Cause. So this also follows the big controversy late last year when the high-rise project at Scarborough was knocked back by the MRA and, and the Minister and the Premier uh, both expressed uh, their disappointment at the process that was followed in that case. You know, there's this crying need for more infill, um, for more sort of visionary developments around Perth. Mm. Uh, this project seemed to have a lot of support um, and the MRA surprised pretty much everyone when they came out at the end of the process and said, no, we don't want it to go ahead. So a whole new board coming in um, to, I guess, you know, oversee lots of projects and lots of redevelopments in different parts of Perth. Um, so a significant shift in that land development space. Yeah, and uh, but presumably um, the, the, this change at board level isn't a reaction to that particular decision at the MRA. I mean, you would think that some of this would have been planned well before that. Oh, it was quite uh, late in the year. Absolutely. Yeah, look, this is a, a broader, longer-term agenda here uh, for reform. Um, but the, the the Scarborough issue, I guess, was the um, a signal of uh, the minister's sort of unhappiness about the way things were being done by the MRA and the the approach that was taken by the board. Mm. Um, you know, Richard Muirhead uh, was chair of the old MRA. Um, he came out just before Christmas and defended their approach and insisted they'd done the right thing. Uh, well, clearly he and the Minister don't see eye to eye on this. Mm. And I, I find it fascinating because Landcorp and, in a sense, the MRA are both kind of the two, these two agencies that have often been there for the chop and have survived forever. Is there a, a winner or a loser in here? Look, I think it's a, a reflection of governments like to get their hands on the levers. Mm. You know, it's their chance to actually get there into the market and actually do things. And as we know, it's not always the wise approach, but that's what governments like to do. Yeah, no, fair and, enough. And so now there will be a, a larger 
more powerful merged agency mm-hmm. uh, that can do this. Yeah. So maybe we have seen, you know, I always watched uh, the East Perth Redevelopment Authority kind of merge with some other, became the MRA. It was a great survivor and a great growth vehicle. So maybe we are seeing a continuation of that. Now, Mark, uh, something completely different. Bitcoin is all the rage at the moment, right, with prices skyrocketing basically well beyond any other asset class. Um, Now, while some people believe that's a bit of a bubble, a bit of a bubble, a lot of a bubble maybe, um, it hasn't stopped a WA firm from looking to establish a Bitcoin exchange. Yeah, look, lots of people seeing opportunities to get into this boom. And so the the people behind the, what they're calling the uh, National Currency Exchange, I think they're tapping into all those people out there who scratch their heads a bit and say, hmm, this looks interesting. I'd like a bit of that. How do I get into it? Mm. Well, they're setting up this exchange to trade not just in Bitcoin. Uh, They want to do all the cryptocurrencies. So they'll start off with Bitcoin and Ethereum, which are the two, I guess, best established ones, Mm -hmm. but with intentions to broaden that um, over time. So the people behind it, uh, Tommy Shin, another 40 under 40 winner. Uh, he's got a sort of technology software firm, Lateral. They've been around for a long time. And uh, listed company, Digital X. They've been working with a, a range of groups, including Power Ledger, um, which was chaired by the Perth Deputy Lord Mayor, Gemma Green. So, you know, I guess it's good on these people. They're seeing a, a growth opportunity there. Mm. Uh, they've raised some private capital already. Um, plan to be up and running um, early in the new year and giving all those punters out there a chance to want to have a go, a, um, a, if you like, a, a credible, established, accessible way of trading in cryptocurrencies. And, you know, here's a question, Mark, and I don't know if you want to answer it, but is this, for the average person, it's not just about being able to get into cryptocurrencies. Is being able to get into cryptocurrencies an ability to get into black money. Are, are we, is this effectively, because that's what cryptocurrency is, is mainly for, isn't it? It's, it's for transactions that no one wants anyone to be able to trace. Yep. So is this suddenly the general public can now invest in the black economy directly? Well, it's a, it's a legal way of doing so, isn't it? Mm. And there have been spectacular returns. And that's enough to uh, attract the interest of many, many people. But you're right. I mean, everyone from our own columnist, Tim Treadgold, through to the governor of the, of the Reserve Bank, have both made this point. You know, it's all a speculative bubble built on the black economy. Mm. But the black economy exists, and therefore, is it a, spectac- a speculative bubble, or is it finally being able to tap into something that's real and will never go away? It'll be real, but will it sustain the values that were achieved late last year? Who knows, yeah, fascinating, I reckon. Uh, We'll talk about cannabis in a minute <laughs> because that's got a similar feel in a different way. But let's first of all slip into uh, uh, there's been some relief for property investors in WA. Well, yeah, but in a way, this might tell you something about why people are looking at uh, cryptocurrencies as somewhere to invest. Uh, so Perth property values, the uh, figures for December came out earlier in the week. The, the solid assessment is that prices in Perth have stabilised. For the December quarter, they're up by 0.1%. Now, this follows about three years of consistent weakness in the market. And in fact, the year to December, Perth house values were still down 2.3%. But that's the smallest annual decline 
since the market started falling away in 2014. Mm -hmm. And certainly those quarterly numbers tell us that the market has stabilised. And there's sort of a general sense around the market that it's going to hold and probably have some modest growth uh, coming into uh, in, in the current financial or the current year. Yeah, right. Um, but nobody's expecting anything spectacular. Interesting to contrast with what's happened in other states because uh, I think there's an assessment now that the the national boom in retail in, in uh, house values has has halted. Uh, the numbers for Sydney, uh, they're off about 2.2% from their peak last August. But if you look at the growth between 2012 and 2018, Sydney property house, Sydney house prices are up 71%. Hmm. And Melbourne has had some similar growth. Um, and one thing I'm scratching my head about, the strongest market over the past year is Hobart up 12%. Goodness knows what's driving that. <laughs> but yeah, look, I think the assessment for people in Perth, the market has stabilised. We don't think prices will fall further and their main fact and probably will be some modest growth. Yeah, okay. And, and that's a pretty good story, I think. I mean, really, what we want is comfortable levels of house price growth, right? You want to be able to remain somewhat affordable and maybe in the Australian context, Perth is now and WA is now affordable again. I don't know. It's hard to make that judgment, but potentially we are now affordable and it'd be nice to maintain some sort of affordability because it'd be easy to attract the talent over that we need to continue the growth that we want to have here. Anyway, unfortunately, when you have growth, you end up with high property prices. It's always the way. Now, Mark, uh, I, uh, I did mention uh, cannabis a second ago. Uh, so that's the other big story out there. Uh, there's some investment in this sector in WA. What can you tell us all about? Yeah, look, so there's a, a lot of companies, uh, many of them on the stock market, uh, particularly companies like Auscan, uh, Can Group, uh, Creso, uh, who are pursuing opportunities in the medicinal, medicinal cannabis space uh, off the back of regulatory changes in that field. The latest one was an announcement from the federal government during the week that they would allow uh, exports of medicinal cannabis products from Australia. So that put a bit of a, a wind under the sails of a lot of these listed companies. There were some very strong gains during the week. Certainly a long-term opportunity, but to put some context around this, um, all of these Australian operators are going through the regulatory process at the moment. And, and Perth company Auscan, uh, they're one of the few that actually has all the regulatory um, clearances in place. But as a reflection of where their business is at, they're actually growing uh, cannabis crops in Chile because that market is more advanced. Uh, they've got a venture in Tasmania um, where they're planning to produce some product. And you know, longer term, I expect there will be some growing operations in Western Australia, mm. um, but not much yet. So certainly for the short term, it'll actually be imports of cannabis products. Um, long term, yeah, there's no reason why this couldn't be a new growth industry. Mm. But yeah, it raises all sorts of uh, questions about um, regulations because while governments have ticked the box and said medicinal cannabis is um, an approved or can be approved, the experience of people in Australia is that it's extraordinarily difficult to get through, jump through all the hoops that are necessary 
um, including approval at both the state and federal level yep. and support from uh, your doctor uh, to get approval. And the medical establishment uh, in this country has taken, a, I think, an extremely conservative, cautious approach, uh, which on my reading of it puts them at odds with what's happening in most other jurisdictions around the world. So I think there's a long way to run with this debate. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's you know, potential there for it to be a large, credible industry, but a long way to run yet. But from an industry perspective, allowing export, making that easy, makes sense. I mean, in the end, like almost anything else we produce in this country, Australia is not the main market. You know, we've got, haven't got the population, and even if, even if cannabis was an accepted medic, medical cannabis, uh, cannabis was an acceptable thing here across the board, the market wouldn't be that huge. If you're a producer, you really want access to elsewhere. So, in a sense, perhaps this is um, not putting the cart before the horse. It's actually a good thing that get the expert industry going, and maybe the the local stuff will pick up later. Um, now, finally, Mark, our special report this week is our our feature on food and hospitality. Um, we've got a series of stories on various subjects from food trucks and fresh food boxes to fine dining. What have, what have we got there? Okay. Now, food trucks, I think most people have experienced uh, food trucks around Perth. That was something we'd barely heard of four or five years ago. Um, the stats now tell us there's more than 500 food trucks registered in Perth. So they register as a, like there's a... Some with, sort of with the health department. Oh, there, okay, right, yep. right. So to, to tick that box and yep. hygiene standards and what have you. Um, now, you know, clearly a growth industry. Lots of people seeing it as a, a low-cost way of getting into um, that industry when they couldn't afford to open a, a cafe or a restaurant. So you know, it's a new option for consumers, um, and those numbers tell us that a lot of consumers like it. Um, the other uh, new segment is what they call fresh food boxes. So people that will package up all the ingredients and they'll deliver it to your home, um, often with the recipe. So you can cook up healthy meals. Somebody else does a lot of the work for you. Mm. So there's um, about half a dozen groups in that space in WA already, um, but two interesting developments. There's a global group called HelloFresh. They're a new entrant to the market. And uh, Brian Hughes from Picture Partners, well known up and down the terrace, is uh, you know, one of the more prominent business advisors and insolvency people in town. He's partnered with his good wife, uh, Mai Hughes, and they're setting up a business in that space, uh, My Foodie Box. And of course, one of the um, earliest movers in this space was Dinner Twist, um, a business that won our Rising Star, or was a winner in our Rising Stars Awards mm. last year. Yeah. So, they had a great story, actually. So. Yeah. So all sorts of options, but of course this also has implications for the established industry. Yes. And you know, a lot of people with, with cafes and restaurants have uh, been thinking, well, you know, they're taking away business from us. And then layered over that, you know, one of the big trends has been Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Yep. So a lot of people are ringing up, getting takeaways, when previously they might have gone out and sat down in a cafe or restaurant. So there's actually a bit of a, there's certainly been a pushback at a regulatory level. So, you know, councils are under a lot of pressure from established businesses as to how they handle um, all these new things. Um, but it's also an interesting initiative. Um, there's a, a, a loyalty scheme being developed uh, called WA Foodies, and people like Chris Taylor up at Fraser's, um, his group has signed up for this. 
And so they're seeing that as a way of um, you know, a loyalty scheme that will reward people that actually go to the cafes and restaurants rather than doing the Uber Eats or the food trucks at the local market and so on. Gotcha. So, yeah, so it's a fascinating uh, space at the moment, lots of changes, um, and we've got a, a few in-depth articles um, in our first edition for the year exploring uh, these issues. Yeah, and look, a really tough time for the uh, the fine dining or the di- the hospitality sector. You know, we've seen we've seen a few, quite a few um, outlets close. We've seen a lot of shifting from what you would call fine dining to something at a lower grade because it's you know more affordable and and people don't want to spend as much money, nor do they want to perceive that they're going to be spending as much money. And at the same time, you've got that influx of Uber Eats and the, the pop-up stuff, the, the food vans. So it's a really challenging time for the sector. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that report. That's, uh, that's something that, and I'm sure there's a lot more stories to come out of it in the future. Thanks for that, Mark. And for our listeners, join us for the next Success and Leadership Breakfast on Friday, 16th of February, with the Premier of Western Australia, Mark McGowan. One year into the role, the Premier will discuss issues such as the outlook for WA's economy, balancing the budget, stimulating economic growth and attracting investment to WA. Just visit the Business News website and look for the events tab. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mark My Words with Mark Powell and Mark Bayer from Business News. For more information, please go to businessnews.com.au forward slash podcasts. And to receive these regularly, search for Business News WA in iTunes or SoundCloud. <laughs>